This is podcast 312, entitled Hope from Heights. And um, the uh, music you just heard is entitled Questions I Can't Answer by the English um, singer who was named Heinz. Heinz was actually a German emigrant, quote-unquote, to um, England right after World War II as a little boy, um, whose real name was Heinz Burt, and uh, he was, quote, discovered, end of quote, uh, in a Southampton grocery store by Joe Meek the great, um, great independent English record producer. And Meek uh, proceeded to um, uh, get Heinz to perform a series of about 12 songs, or maybe 10, it's more accurate, uh, which are absolutely brilliant and inspired. And what makes them especially interesting and really fruitful for hope is that Heinz himself was really very uninspired. He was a nice guy, um, but he had—he was not at all what the world would call gifted, not at all. And um, his uh, his performances are lackluster. In public, he was lackluster. He became briefly famous for a song called Just Like Eddie, and because he was traveling with Joe Meek, and who was moderately uh, well-connected at a certain point, he was in and around sort of swinging London just uh, pre-Beatles. And um, what is so... Uh, wonderful about the songs by Heinz, including the one you've just heard and the one you'll hear at the end entitled Can't You Hear the Beating of My Heart, is that uh, an inspired, truly gifted, albeit off-the-wall, wild, and entirely uh, au contraire individual talent, uh, who isn't just a, quote, crazy manic guy on the edge, but a truly inspired genius, and I use the word genius um, advisedly. He was a genius. I've known 
maybe one genius, kind of, maybe Ernst Kesemann was a genius, maybe. Uh, I, I can't think of anyone else I've known except, um, well, in my opinion, Paula White uh, comes under that category, but in the sense of divine giftedness. Um, Meek uh, received messages, and these messages came out, and he took an uninspired uh, guy, nice guy, but uninspired, um, uninspired the way I'm uninspired, and other people I know are uninspired, and most people are uninspired, but needing inspiration, and we do well when we get some inspiration from outside ourselves. We, we only really thrive when we do. Um, Meek was uh, Heinz's inspiration, you might say. And what he would do, he'd take a, a, a rather limp song that you know, usually he wrote or his um, sidekick at the time, Jeff Goddard, or he, uh, and he would take Heinz's not very good voice and then he would record a track uh, from Heinz and then he would... Um, get a series of you almost not you almost wouldn't even call them studio musicians he'd get a couple of people to play a couple of rhythm tracks and then he would distort them or concentrate them and focus them or distill them or split them apart and put them back together again like sort of noodles or strings or like a, a virus infection when you see it you know a DNA is what I mean strings of bits and pieces and then he would amplify one and diminish the other and then he would um uh, uh, run too fast. What's the word? You know, speed up uh, some element of the vocal. And after he was put it, all these elements through his kind of, you might call it a kind of puree machine of brilliance, out would come a song of extraordinary subtlety and depth. And if you listen to questions I can answer, really listen to it four or five times, listen for the sonic character, you'll hear about nine elements. And the more you listen to it, I've listened to it probably a hundred times. That's not an exaggeration over the last 15 years. Every time you listen to it, you'll hear something that you didn't hear before. And it turns out that Meek was so powerful in his odd little home studio on the Holloway Road in Islington in North London. And I visited it with John Zoll once, twice myself and once with John. That visited the studio from the outside. <clears throat> There's a plaque, and when you um, when you when you realize the conditions on the third floor of this little tiny walk-up kind of quote flat, uh, which was also kind of a living quarters for Joe Meek, and he produced this unbelievably complicated, and yet deeply um, evocative, and really, in my opinion, truly inspired. A body of work, uh, and there are hundreds of these songs, not just one or two. Now, the ones that I've just played you is pretty complete. A number of them he would lose interest after doing five or six runs, or five or six drafts, you might say, of it. He'd lose interest, or he didn't. Someone else would come along that got his interest up. But um, there are probably eighty songs that have a tremendous quality because they have an inspired, added element. And Heinz would say, and all of his singers would say that after they recorded it, um, they they didn't recognize what they'd done. They said. That's not the song I say. How did you? What happened? How did you make that happen? Um, the classic case being the Honeycombs, who had a number one hit under Joe Meek called "Have I the Right," and the singer, whose name was Odell Dennis Odell, I think, um, said, "You speeded up my voice. It doesn't sound anything like the song we actually thought we were playing in the studio." And Meek said the brilliantly characteristic thing: "Well, what's wrong with speeding up a voice? We could we, all of our." All of our voices could use speeding up. <laughs> it was such a... I mean, to him, it was obvious that Dennis O'Dell's voice sounded better when it sounded like an alien. Well, not to you and me, maybe, but in the actual song, it's an inspiring 
inspired touch. Well, I leave that with you. Now let's look at us, you and me. Let's look at hope. Hope is a is a very um, is a very necessary resource in life um, because you 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 really lose it uh, through the um, being uh, dodged about and kicked about and thrown to the floor by life. And uh, it's a complete non-starter to say that life is a bowl of cherries because it's not. We know this and. Um, by the time you reach almost any age, you would say that, you know, there are times when the defeats and the disappointments and the losses and the frustrations uh, outweigh the gifts and the hopes and the possibilities and the connections and the satisfactions. And um, the uh, the great point right now is that um, everyone needs a little hope. Let, let me give you just a couple of examples uh, and why Heinz means so much to me, because I sort of identify with Heinz, who ended up in a wheelchair. There's a, a a little uh, alley, uh, what do they call it, a cul-de-sac, a little tiny um, cul-de-sac road in, I think it's in Southampton, that's named after, I think it's called Heinz Burt Way, uh, but he ended up very, very ill, sort of like Eddie, isn't it Edgar Winter, who ended up in a wheelchair, uh, a sad ending, a good guy, but um, it's sort of like you and me, we're all sort of in a wheelchair of um, dispossession, and uh, have you seen that Twilight Zone episode called um, Shadow Play? I think it's called Shadow Play, when I, uh, it stars Bruce Willis, the, uh, the new Twilight Zone, the 1985 one, when a guy uh, is edged out by his true self, he, he starts calling up a number, his apartment, visiting his apartment, and, and his true, better, stronger, more confident, and also more generous, kind self substitutes for him and he, he, he realizes he's being edged out of his own life and the true self, the good self, the eternal self substitutes in life for the sad, tragic, angry, upset, frustrated chap who finally disappears. It's very haunting, more haunting than ever to me now. But in this uh, world, I've been, just let me talk about myself for a second. I was at a service recently, a church service, which offered absolutely nothing. It was perfectly accurate service. I mean, I mean, it was perfectly liturgically correct service, but it offered absolutely nothing to a person in pain, I, at least to me. I, I got nothing from it. I, I might have brought a few things to it that it could have uh, salved, but I got absolutely nothing from it. And um, so what's the purpose of my talking about Heinz Burt from 1962, unless it relates to me and you? And um, it does, uh, because um, here I was. The coronavirus had really gotten me. I, I don't know if you identify with this. I'd really gotten all my friends. I have a different view than many, but let's not worry about whether I'm right or wrong. But I do find that almost everyone I know up north where I live a lot of the time are, are in a state of such ag agonized uh, fear and paralysis connected to the coronavirus and the possibility of their getting it and dying from it. I'm, I'm speechless. But whether they're right or wrong, it's not ending. Uh, and it seemed to me, uh, living where I was living, that the the more likely there was hope and a virus vac of a vaccine, and the more possibility of a of a relaxation of the lockdown, et cetera, et cetera, because of a, a, a kind of a miracle, which is the the Moderna, Pfizer, et cetera, et cetera vaccine, it seemed to me things were getting worse, and I was really losing hope. I said, I don't think we're ever going to get out of this. And then I was um, hopeless about a couple of other uh, situations that were on my mind, uh, both in a large way and a, in a more personal way. And then, um, uh, you know, I'm Heinz there. I'm, I'm, I'm almost beyond uh, the song, Can't You Hear the Beating of My Heart, or Questions I Can't Answer. I'm almost beyond it. I'm in the wheelchair now. And um, amazing things happened. We, we, we came down to where we currently are in Florida, and out of the blue, a good Samaritan friend of ours called us and said, 
immediately, said sign of immediately, they've just opened appointments for the vaccine where you live. Uh, we've just found out, our, my husband called the uh, county, and it turns out that they're, um, you can get vaccinated tomorrow if you immediately go on the site. Well, Mary, brilliant Mary, went on the site that second and got an appointment. And then I, of course, was much slower and much more klutzy, but even I got an appointment. Finally, I, I did get an appointment uh, quickly. And within two days, Mary and I had both, this is just a few days ago, had both, were both vaccinated for the coronavirus. <clears throat> Bang! <clears throat> Completely out of the blue. And all of a sudden, even though, you know, I know all the different stipulations and I know all, everything about the next dose and I know what you're going to say and I believe it and I'm fully aware of that we're wearing masks when we're inside, et cetera, et cetera. But hope, hope for me. I'm not without hope now. And then... Um, and then two other things happened. Uh, in our move south, um, which was busy and complex, just because it is for us at least, um, Mary had lost her, 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 her engage, our engagement ring. Her, my engagement ring I gave her had, 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 had been lost. And there was a mark on her finger. It looked exactly like it had been sort of torn off when she was maybe unloading something or we were unloading the car or putting something in wrapping paper to get down here to Florida. And it was gone. And that was really upsetting. We had enough things were on our minds. And to lose that engagement ring after 47 years of uh, marriage seemed really um, too much. And after just looking, turning the place upside down, the next day it turned up. We found it. I should say Mary found it. Unbelievable. Heinz, you know, it was Joe Meek. Joe Meek came along and found Heinz. God found for Mary the wedding, the engagement ring, and we were both vaccinated. And then <laughs> we had a water main leak, uh, a, a pipe leak uh, in front of a, uh, a cottage on uh, the lake here. And um, had uh, we were just at the moment of welcoming friends of ours we've loved for many, 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 many years um, as our guests. And um, that exact, like an hour before they arrived, and we'd worked so hard to make everything just exactly right, we had a massive um, exterior leak to the water and had to shut it off. You know, they, they pull in after a drive of 20 hours or whatever it was, and we say, well, happy happy birthday. Uh, we're going to take you to Panera Bread to, to, get, uh, to go to the bathroom. I mean, everything was shut down. And just as it was shut down and we were about to leave to go have some kind of a, I don't know what, we didn't know what we were going to do, um, Mary found the leak. I mean, all of a sudden there was a huge, and we suddenly said, look at that. And there was this massive sort of lake in front of one part of the lawn. And uh, Mary noticed it. And we I'd been there for two, hadn't noticed it. And she shut the water off. And then uh, she found where the actual line break was because our friend Ralph Parks had given us a special kind of shovel. Mary and our visiting friend John um, dug a hole and Mary had the incredible um, in, in, index of wisdom to say, I think it's over here. And it was. And the leak was found. And then Mary's brilliant, competent, very, very fine brother John went to Ace Hardware, which was still open. And we found uh, the proper um, tubular connection and uh, fixed the leak. I mean, and it was just about to blow, you know, like a, the gusher, the water gusher in Giant, that movie with, um, uh, you know, Dean uh, and uh, Elizabeth Taylor, whoever it is. And it, it, we, we caught it literally about five seconds before the whole thing was going to blow. And at that point, it would have been, you know, the city would have had to come and et cetera, et cetera. Well, I mean, Heinz and Joe Meek and God, 
So my hope has been restored. I speak to you. I speak to you in the name of the Father. No, I, I'm, I come to you as somebody whose hope has been restored. And whether it's the national scene, we could talk about that, but we don't have to now. Let's, get, let's be a little, little less macro, but pretty macro. There is a vaccine, and, and I was so hopeless about it. And out of the blue, um, we both get vaccinated, Mary and I, in, a, in this environment out of the blue, from a completely unexpected source. And then um, after that, uh, a ring gets recovered, miraculously, in my opinion. It's tiny, this little ring. Um, probably a testimony to my stinginess, but there it is, uh, long ago, there it is. And then um, this, um, this water main break is fixed, and our loving, lovely friends are able to actually settle into where we had prepared for them, and we're all right. Now, isn't that... now? Heinz had very little to say. And then Joe Meek, who is a chaotic but truly inspired genius, comes along and makes, um, what do we call it? Uh, not lemonade out of lemons. I would call it gold out of straw. It's not a natural process here. It's Rumpelstiltskin gold out of straw. And this is the nature of real Christian faith. Faith is to see the evidence of things unseen, and that kind of vision of God's uh, uh, um, creative and, most importantly, empathetic, compassionate, and graceful giving and provision for us, as in, give it to him. He has it, as Paula always says. He's got it. He's got you. That is what I wanted to say to you. So we conclude with Heinz, a little gold out of straw, singing his songs, um, Can't You Hear the Beating of My Heart? And listen for Richie Blackmore's intervention, because not only did Joe Meek, he had no good musicians behind him, except the eccentric, brilliant Jeff Goddard, who I don't think plays on this, but may have written, written it. Uh, he's got Goddard, and he's got himself, and he's got a home studio, and, he, and all of a sudden he's got a 19-year-old sort of brilliant uh, guitarist named Richie Blackmore, who later became very famous, um, who comes in from nowhere, and Joe Meek pays him a couple pounds to come in about every day for about a year to play a, a, an instant interventionist uh, a guitar solo, which propels the song through the roof for about eight, uh, 12 seconds, and then back to Joe's fussing with the bass line and the rhythm line and the diffusions and the exfusions and the concentrations and the focusing and the um, compressions and all the words you want to use. And so we're going to listen to a little bit of what can happen when a Paul or you or a Bill or a Josh or a Ryan or a David or a Simeon or whoever it is um, receives uh, a, a sighting from Joe Meek while working in a grocery store and ends up producing um, Can't You Hear the Beating of My Heart. Love you. Since we've been apart 
Can't you hear the beating of my heart? Beating for you, beating for you. You say goodbye and the teardrops start. Oh, I'm lost without you. Say goodbye and the teardrops start. Oh, I'm lost without you. 